Welcome to Coming Out of the Spiritual Closet with your host, me, Brittany Wittig. Join me every week to explore and demystify the world of modern spirituality. This week, I'm interviewing Elishka McAndrew. I met Elishka one serendipitous night on the Camino de Santiago, which she was also walking. And I was quickly inspired by Elishka's unique way of viewing the world, her unique way of moving through the world, and the way that she described her life experience. There were also lots of synchronicities between us, including the fact that she has her own podcast. And I very quickly knew that I wanted to stay in touch with her and that I wanted to interview her for coming out of the spiritual closet. In this episode, you're going to learn about the power of following your heart, the beauty of leaning into your authentic journey, whatever that may be, and no matter how strange it may seem to the people around you. Elishka shares about her powerful journey caring for her mother who had cancer and her mother's beautiful emergence at the end of her life. This is a very inspirational episode, and I am so thrilled to share this conversation with you. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining me this week. And Elishka, I am so happy to have you here on the podcast. This is really a sweet conversation we're going to have, I'm sure. Mm, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited. I'm really, really excited to chat with you. Yes, um, me too. Elishka and I met walking the Camino de Santiago in person by chance meeting. It's not very often that I get to meet someone in the 3D who then feels like a perfect fit for the podcast. So this is really special. So uh, just to get started, could you share just some of what you do in the world? Mm -hmm. So I am Alishka. <laughs> I'm from Ireland and I, well, I was born in London and then moved to Ireland when I was about four years old. So I've been raised in Ireland and I'm now 25. My mom is from Ireland and my dad's from Czech Republic. So I have a little bit of both. And now I have chosen to live in Barcelona. I always felt like Ireland wasn't my home because, um, I don't know. I just had like a, a deep sensation that it was never, I never connected that place so much. I thought it's a beautiful place, but it, yeah, I just felt like my soul belonged somewhere else. So for the first time, I really feel like Barcelona is my home and I feel very, very comfortable here and just very safe and able to really express and open up because I'm an artist. So I'm a model. I've been a model for the past 10 years. I started when I was in school. I did it. Then I went to university for a little while and did fashion design. Uh, so I was always creative. My parents were creative. They were involved in jewelry. My mom was an entrepreneur. She had many businesses. So I feel like creation and uh, art and all of that is really part of me. It's always been part of me. Um, that's how I'd always kind of explain myself is that I'm a very creative person. I'm a very like hands-on person. I, I always need to be kind of like making something or visually see something to understand it. So modeling was great for me because it really opened my eyes to a whole new world of fashion, creation, people coming together and like making an idea come to life. Um, so I loved modeling for that reason. It was like a blessing and it really opened my eyes a lot. Um, and then in the last few years, I kind of came back to art. I lived in Mexico for eight months and that was a beautiful place. It gave me so much inspiration. There was colors and patterns and uh, there's a place called Oaxaca, which I absolutely loved. And it's like the food central of Mexico, maybe. And even the colors of the foods there are amazing and the materials and textures and yeah, that's when I really kind of got back into art again. So that was like two years ago. And then when I moved here to Barcelona a year ago, I was like, okay, I'm going to rent a studio. I'm going to get back into art. I'm going to paint. I'm going to create. So I started like painting mandalas and um, doing like some commissioned work for people. And I feel like I'm still in this journey now. I'm really kind of figuring out my style and my creation. I'm kind of bringing all these experiences and everything I've um, been exposed to in my life to my work now I'm trying to figure out like what I can create from there so I got into poetry recently I also started my own podcast recently and now I'm painting and still kind of doing modeling so 
yeah, I'm I'm definitely in a very very creative spirit and mode. I'd say I'd say at this point in my life. I love that. And your podcast is called Being a Wallflower, right? Being a Wallflower, yes. Yes. Okay. I've listened to a bit. It's lovely. You have a wonderful voice to listen to. So it's a, that feels like a really good fit. It's very soothing to listen to your voice. And I'm going to put your podcast in the show notes. So everyone here can check it out. One of the things that was so great when we met, uh, on the Camino was there were just all these interesting synchronicities between us, like Mexico, as you're talking about Mexico and specifically Oaxaca, so for people who have listened to the podcast for a while, they know that that's uh, where I was over the winter and that I was spending time in Oaxaca and that I love Mexico. And then you have a podcast. I don't know. It just felt so interesting when we met. It just felt like, oh, this is definitely meant to be. So amazing. I mean, you're doing so many different things. And one of the things that comes up as well as you speak about what you're doing in the world and sort of your journey to that is how much you are following the breadcrumbs of your intuition, your passion. It's very rare that I meet someone who is really following their heart and it feels like you really are. That's so beautiful to hear. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I feel like I, I'm very in tune with my, my heart and my gut and what it tells me. And I just know when I'm not, it, it leads me in complete chaos <laughs> or confusion. So then I know, okay, well, I've been going in the wrong way. So that's okay. We'll come back. Um, but I think I've gotten that from my mother. I would say that she was very grounded and rooted in that in herself. Um, that she always followed her heart and always followed her gut. And people, especially in Ireland, would kind of look at her a little bit like she's crazy, you know, because <laughs> she wasn't following the normal, like the norm, what everyone else was doing. But just because it was normal doesn't mean they were happy either, you know, and she was always so happy and she was always made the best out of any situation. And she could really just kind of take whatever came to her with yeah. such like, ease and with such grace. And I think that was so beautiful to see and that was like oh I want to live like that you know that just made so much sense for me to be like why are we always stressed why is there so much chaos around us why are we attracting this and even if it is around us like how can we find like beauty in the in the story we're living so that was always always reinforced in my life like constantly so um for me it just became a way of living like it wasn't like I was even trying to live that way it just became who I am and my brother is very much like that as well. And yeah, I guess that brings me kind of in two interesting places and uh, trying interesting things, you know, because I'm always curious and I'm always like, well, can I learn? Or if I if I want to do something, I'll just do it because and sometimes I won't even do it for very long. Maybe I'll figure out that's not for me, but at least I've tried it and I never know until I actually try something because when you just repeat it and say it in your head or tell people about it, it doesn't become real until you actually do it yourself. Um, so yeah, I love living like that. It brings me a lot of joy. Like I really have made a commitment to myself to live with, uh, joy and with curiosity. That makes life a lot easier, I think, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, 100%. I totally agree with you. And yeah. it's so beautiful that you had that influence. I think so often people don't like what you just said about you'll try something and if it's not for you, that's okay. You'll move on to the next thing, but you're not afraid to try it. I think so many people, and I think there's societal conditioning here, but I think that so many people are afraid to try something because there's this idea, what if I try it and it's not for me? And then I've failed. I'm using air quotes here. <laughs> like yeah. I've, I've failed because I tried this thing that wasn't for me, but it's not a failure. It's just another step down the windy path. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I don't feel like it's a failure at all. Yeah. In any, any experience in any relationship, you know, like people that come in and out of your life, I don't feel like any of them are failures or setbacks. And yeah. if you do feel like you're going in a direction of like a failure or you're usually are like doing something that doesn't align with yourself mm. or you're, you're pushing something, which is like, you're forcing something, you know, and then, you know, okay, well, that's not for me. I am, I am actually growing or evolving. And I think you can feel that quite clearly and quite deeply as well. 
Yes, definitely. Oh, I love that. There's some definite wisdom in that. So since you were talking about your mom and your mom's influence, which sounds like it was huge and beautiful and powerful in your life. When we met, you told me about um, some spiritual experiences that you had around um, your mom and what happened with your mom. If you're open to it, uh, would you be willing to share some of that here? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, my mom was a huge influence in my life. She basically raised me and my brother because my dad, my dad's also wonderful, but he lives in Czech Republic and he's always lived there. And my brother actually has a different father to me because he lives in Ireland. Um, so my dad was always there too, but he never lived with us. They never got married, so they were never like fully together. So it was really, it was always clear my mother was the main um, parent and she was, she made the decisions, she did everything and she raised us. So we had a lot of respect for her. Um, and about five, no, maybe like seven years ago now, she got a breast cancer. It was very unexpected for her. And then she went into the hospital and went in to go through all the treatment. But she was always very aware of her body anyway. Like, I've never went to a doctor. I've always went to a herbal doctor. So she introduced us to a herbal doctor when we were younger. And that's how we would get treated. So he would kind of do like an energetic healing on us. And if he found something, he would then prescribe us teas to drink for like a period of two weeks. And then after that, we'd be fine. So I never even entered a doctor's clinic. I did not know about it. I was just like, what happens if you go to a doctor? I don't know what to do. Like, I don't understand it. So for me, it was always like alternative medicine and always trying to like heal from the inside out, which was very, very important. So my mom would like be like, no freaking chance. Are you going on antibiotics? Nothing like that. I've never had anything. Um, wow. I was very lucky to be even raised in that way because that's very unique too. Um, but for her, it wasn't like that. She wasn't raised like that. So she just learned this from herself, from being curious, from traveling. She was very different to the rest of her family. She was one of seven, but they were all kind of more traditional. And she traveled, went to Australia, went to Africa, went to loads of places and um, discovered all these new ways of living and alternative ways. So when she was diagnosed with cancer, this was a big shock for her. And then she decided to do the treatment, but then she dis- then she it didn't like it so much because it was you know it was burning her and she could feel like what is happening she went to the hospital and like the nurses were giving her like fizzy drinks and chocolate and all this stuff and she was like how how does this make sense like I'm here to be healed yet you're just giving me loads of crap to fill in my body and you think that like what I put into my body isn't important so like she was like how can I trust these people then so she was like how do I like take the power back to myself so we were quite young at that well, I was quite young at that time and I was in school but I remember her calling us in one day and was like I'm going to stop this treatment I'm don't want to continue with it so she kind of did like half of the treatment and she was like I found this new water it's like um it was like an ionized water which like made the it brought the pH up very high in the scale and it also mm-hmm. um ionized it so it made it like very very powerful to drink and it was like very good for hydration and had many many benefits and it was from Japan so this was like a new thing of hers and then she also would go to like many talks about like clean eating and how to change your diet and would try all these different diets so eventually she cured herself and she got like the all clear and the cancer was gone wow. um but that was the beginning of her so my mom was funny that was the beginning of her journey of being kind of extreme with things because she had found this and then she was so curious about all these different diets and everything. And she kind of used herself as the guinea pig to try everything. Mm. So she was just so passionate and just wanted to know if she was telling anyone about something that she would test it first. Mm. So I think that was maybe like the downfall of her in a way is because she used herself as the guinea pig to try everything. Sure. And then, you know, life is also about balance. So it's hard to put your body under so much stress and under so much highs and lows. Um, so the cancer came back about, well, over two years ago now. I was at home with her in Ireland. My brother was in New York. And then one day we would go for walks every single day. She would like swim at the Atlantic Ocean every single day. Wow. And she was super brave. She was like really active. And then one day she was walking up the hill and she was like, she was like, I felt it really hard walking up the hill today, you know, like I felt it in my chest, like really heavy. She was like, do you ever get that? And I was like, yeah, you know, some days you'd be a bit tired and it would be harder to like walk up a hill. She was like, yeah. And it kind of got progressively worse. Like every day was a little bit harder for her to walk up this hill. 
And then eventually she started, like, stopped walking in the park altogether and was just working from home. And then would be like to me, oh, you know, I walked around the house today. And I'm like, mom, come on, you know, that's a very different than going for a walk in the park. So she kind of just was like, oh, no, it's, I'm just very tired now these days. I'm working a lot. I'm working a lot. Then my brother came home and he kind of missed all this. So he was just like, oh, he didn't really understand that she was kind of getting more tired. And one night I had, I woke up at like four in the morning, three or four in the morning. And there was like um, a tapping, a tapping on my window. So I, my bedroom was in front of a forest and there was like a little tapping, tapping, tapping. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't want to get up. Like, what is this? Like, and then it was like almost something screaming at me, like I literally get up and look, you know, like, come on. Um, so I got up and I looked at the window and there was like a bird. And it was just this little bird just tapping, tapping, tapping. And then as soon as he, as I looked at him, he looked back at me and then he just kind of like vanished. Like it was almost like he just went into space and I was like, what? This is so strange. And I got, this happened to me a few years ago in London where these two birds came to my window like four or five times um, every morning. And I was like, hmm, maybe this is a sign of something. But I was like, this time I'm going to just sit with it and just like sit and kind of meditate and see what comes. Maybe there's some something that I might get from this so I sat on my bed and I just took a deep breath and then out of nowhere I just got like this insane flood of emotions crazy crazy flood of like, uncontrollable I couldn't stop crying and I couldn't breathe my breath was gone and I just had this like overwhelming sensation that something was happening and then it was then I felt it was towards mom so I was kind of like oh my gosh so I ran into her room like but opened it very quietly to see if she was like uh what was happening and she was just asleep and I was like okay so she's fine and then I ran downstairs and I was just trying to circulate around the house just trying to calm myself down and I was like maybe I got it all wrong maybe it's my brother so I ran up to my brother and then nothing and he woke up and he was like Lishka what's wrong and I was like crying to him and told him this whole story of this bird and the dream and I don't know what's happening to me and he was like oh my god and I didn't tell my mom, but then he was just kind of shocked by it. And after that moment, I kind of forgot about it. But it was just a very weird experience because I had never experienced something like that, which was kind of didn't make sense to me. But my it was like I couldn't control my body, but I felt like something was, was happening. Yeah. And then we ended up going to Mexico about two months later. Um, we brought my mom and we went on like a family holiday for Christmas in the year. And that was in the height of COVID then. So COVID was really, really getting like worse at home. And we kind of just escaped it. And then we were going to come back. But we were like, why are we coming back? Because, you know, like at home is in lockdown. Mexico's beautiful. We have lovely weather here. If we go home, we're going to be freezing. Mom was like, I don't want to go back there. You know, like I need my break. She was like, I'm tired now. You know, she didn't have much energy. She was getting weaker and weaker. And we were just like, okay, you know, this makes sense to stay out here. So that was the beginning of kind of this spiritual journey, this awakening I guess you could say this mm. journey with my mother which was almost kind of turned into me becoming her carer so for so long she took care of me and now it was like we were taking care of her but she was also going through such a spiritual like awakening in that time as well she was doing she had stage four cancer which we discovered like two months two three months into Mexico after going to many many hospitals and clinics the cancer kind of spread everywhere she was losing weight like rapidly and she was still doing a yoga retreat. She was doing a yoga retreat where she was walking up and down this hill every single day, committing to this school. And everyone was there looking at her like, who is this woman? And she was, it was amazing. Like she yeah. was so happy, but she was in so much pain. Wow. And we were going to get her blood transfusions a lot. We found a clinic that did stem cell therapy. And she chose that she wanted to go there. So we were like, okay, we had no insurance in Mexico. So we were like, we have to pay for all of this ourselves. So we like raised money for her. We couldn't bring her home at that point because she was so weak. Yeah. Um, and it was an incredible journey in the sense of watching her like emerge. Like we always say, my mom's name was Julia and everyone called her Julia. And we were like, it was like, the time when Julia became Julia like it was such a beautiful transition wow. of her life she just became she even wanted when she went home to just sell everything she was like I just want to get rid of everything in my life I want to just live so simply and purely and be around people like this who actually really care and 
who share love, you know, like there was so much love in Mexico, like overwhelming amount of love surrounded us. Yeah, so we 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 stayed with her for many months. We we worked there. We went to clinics with her every single day. Um, we got stem cell therapy. We had so many highs with her, a lot of lows as well. Um, and then towards the end, my brother left to go to New York. And in that period, he's like, okay, I'm going to be back in like two weeks. And I was there with my ex-boyfriend. And one day she got really ill that she needed like a, a blood transfusion, which was pretty normal. But in Mexico, it was a bit crazy because I, I had to bring her to a different hospital to get this done. And then I had to travel in a taxi to go donate blood to this clinic. And then wow. I had to go and collect the blood myself and bring it back in like a carton and then bring it back to her hospital to give her the blood wow so it was a mad experience being there I was just like if this was in Ireland the system would be so different so I remember doing that for her uh like two days I had to go and and donate blood and then collect blood for her over two days so I brought that back and then in those two days what happened is in the end she actually got COVID so she was getting really really good her health was improving she got stem cell therapy and like uh, my brother had actually donated his stem cells to her Oh, wow. Like so many out of her chest and they had put it into her like, hips and, and back and things. Um, And she was starting to gain weight. Like there was like so much progression. It was getting really good. But then COVID hit. Oh, and, no. clinic, and she got it. And we didn't know she got it. And then in, in the middle of the night, actually two days before it happened, I had a dream again that she died. And oh, wow. she had died from her breathing. And it was so strange because I'd woken up and she was like so at peace though, but she was like kind of suffocating in a way. And in the end, that's actually how it happened. Um, so that was so odd. So, you know, when I think back of all these things, I just always feel like I was being prepared in a way, like subconsciously, I was preparing myself for the, for the end of yeah. her cycle. But the way that it all happened, it's like the way that we even had to take care of her it was it was like a really beautiful relationship and even in the final moments it's like I connected with her so deeply without even being able to speak to her we just had like such a deep deep bond that I felt so grateful for her and the way she raised me the teachings of it all and yeah it really it, it also made me softer as a person you know I always felt like I was kind of a little bit more emotionless that I wouldn't show my emotions I thought that was strength I thought like to to not cry, to, you know, to keep things together for everyone else. That was strength, but it was like such the opposite, like being so vulnerable and being able to cry and to feel and to like, even to feel somebody else, to just be there with them um, without trying to like be a rock, you know, like that doesn't yeah. help. Actually, <laughs> it's the opposite. So you want that tenderness uh, beside someone like that's really what life is about. If you're like really feeling things super, super deeply um so all of that that whole year it'll be two years now since she passed in August and yeah that year was the most intense and beautiful and sad and overwhelming everything every emotion I can feel that was in that year and that has been like the emergence of me since I think in a deep spiritual and emotional way mm, wow <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that story it's really a very inspiring story on so many levels. I mean, your mom curing her cancer the first time and then her continuing with like her yoga practice and her yoga retreat. And uh, even above all of that, your perspective when you speak about it is so beautiful. You speak about it with so much love and reverence for the experience um, and it's such a unique, it's just such a unique perspective on, you know, what is in a lot of ways, a tragic life event, but your perspective on it is just so beautiful. It's like, you really describe the beauty and the difficulty. Mm. I think, I, I think that's just incredible. And this is one of the things when we, when we met that it just, resonated with me so deeply because I also consider my own mother's death from cancer when I took care of her in my twenties, like mm -hmm. that was 
in a lot of ways, the beginning of my personal emergence, it's such a cool synchronicity to meet mm-hmm. someone who's, who's had a similar experience and has a similar perspective on it. And I, mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that you were willing to share this because I feel like it's such a powerful perspective for my audience to hear because they have heard a lot about my mother's cancer and my cancer. And it's, it's just so beautiful to hear someone else seeing the beauty in those types of experiences also. Mm. Thank you so much. I think it's really beautiful that we get to connect and understand each other through that because that's very, very special. And I think also that experience, it just makes me or made me, I'm still figuring it out, but I I think the way or maybe the mark I want to, I don't even know if the mark I want to leave because I don't even want to think about that, but it's just more of like the person I want to be in this life and how I want to experience life and how I want to experience it with others. Um, and I just want to experience it with so much love and so much gratitude and not holding on to, 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 to things, you know, and not holding on to grudges or anger, or pain or anything like that to just always let that go. Yes. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Life is short and mm-hmm. being present is so important. Mm-hmm. I feel like hanging on to anger or grudge, you're right. Like hanging on to those sort of painful, darker impulses takes away from the present. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. definitely. So that, so it's been, you said she passed away two years ago in August. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be two years in August now. So what, what happened after for you? What, Mm. what have the last two years looked like? Well, after we had to come back from Mexico. So I was with my brother. My brother came back very quickly then because I had rang him in New York. He was in New York and it was unexpected for him. And I was like, you need to come back to Mexico like now, like something's happening. So he came back like the next day. And then we actually ended up, my ex, my brother and I, we we were like a lovely trio at that time. And um, we, we ended up getting another week, I think, or two in Mexico before we got to fly home, which was very... I thought it was, well, we all thought it was very important. It was actually really special that we got that because in Ireland or in the UK, I don't know what it's like in America, but when someone passes, it's kind of like everything happens directly after. So you have the funeral like two days after, yeah. um, open caskets like a day after. It's like everything happens within three days. And as the person who's grieving, you don't really get any time to understand what's happened. And then you're just flooded with people in that process. So like, it's actually quite hard because how can you understand your own emotions when you have to give everything to everybody else straight after you lose something so important to you? So for us, it was like a reverse where we got to just ground ourselves. We went into the mountains in Teposlan and we like turned off our phones and spent like a week just like grounding and uh, just being in nature and kind of just not even talking that much, but just kind of being like, Phew. That was a lot, you know, for the last week um, and preparing ourselves to come back to the family who, who we hadn't seen in like almost a year because we had been away from them in Mexico. So they were all so upset, as you can imagine. And my auntie had actually passed away earlier that year as well from COVID and no one was able to go to her funeral. So this was kind of like double uh, the intensity. And we knew that coming back. And we we're like, OK, we got to be here for everybody, you know, so we got to be strong. And we had to come back to our home house. And, you know, we hadn't seen every anything in so, so long. It's been really a year since we've been away from Ireland. So we came back very ready to experience. And also we had like a lot of support from each other. So the three of us were really in it together. And yeah, we had a really good support system within ourselves and with each other. And I think that really helped us to come back um, home and to to deal with everything like that. Um, and then also it was so beautiful to see all our family and to have everyone around us and, and to um, to bring everyone closer again. So that was beautiful. And yeah, then we spent time in Ireland. So I suppose we, we just made the most of home and just traveling around it a bit and meeting family and friends. So for a long time, I felt like, my time kind of wasn't my time <laughs> and, and that was okay I understood that and I knew that that was just wasn't meant to be at that point so 
I I was just kind of being there for everyone else for a long time. And then I was like, okay, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? One day, actually, I just booked a flight to Portugal. And I was like, right, I'm out. I'm going to see where I'm going. Packed a little bag. And I told my my boyfriend at that time. And I was like, I'm going to Portugal. And then I'm going to go to Barcelona. I'm going to see if this is my home, if this is what I feel. I see that there's people out there. They're all very creative. And it was just like an intuition again. You know, I was like, I want to experience something. I'm craving something. I'm craving something for myself. And that's basically what led me to Barcelona was that curiosity and that that sense of like, okay, what is what? Where do I need to be? So I arrived and um, I loved it. I love Barcelona and I literally stayed. I got an apartment like straight away. I was like, when my focus is on something, I was like, I'm going to get it, you know? So I, I contacted, I like found a place and then I lived there for about a month or two. And then my ex, he came over as well. He lived with me and then we got an apartment together for six months. And that was beautiful, but I, I felt that that wasn't his place. Sometimes you kind of do something for somebody else without really considering yourself and what you need. And in that moment, I, I knew I needed to be in Barcelona for myself, but I kind of let the relationship take over and let the relationship put all my dependency in the relationship and being like, okay, well, let's see where this takes me. Whereas deeper down, I was like, no, like I'm going through a lot of grievance still. And I'm like still trying to figure out who I am, what I am. And I need space for that. And I need time for that. And I never gave myself that space or time for like six months. So it came to a boiling point then where I was like, okay, I just need to, I just need to go. I need time for myself. And I ended the relationship and now I've got my own place. And it's kind of like the first time in the last few months where I feel like, oh, now I'm actually living here. Like, because I'm living for myself and I'm living in, like, the story I've created, the story that I want to create. Yes. So that makes me feel like I'm living here now. Whereas before, I felt like I was living in Barcelona, but I wasn't experience it, experiencing it to the fullest that I knew I could mm-hmm. because I wasn't allowing myself to. So that was also another shift was to go through that was to our heartbreak is always hard as well isn't it it's like another death in a way because you're you're oh yeah yeah and that can be really tough so that brought me through a whole new cycle as well of understanding myself and trying to be clear in what I want and I I still am on that process right now um but I feel I feel very good and I feel like I'm on the right path I feel a lot stronger now it's just incredible the way that you're following following your intuition following your breadcrumbs even when it's taking you places that are painful in the moment Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and actually what a big thing was was having a support system here and a support system of women especially because I had my brother so I had lost my mom which was actually a very big thing which I didn't realize as well about having a feminine figure in my life and like a motherly figure and I had complete that can be completely stripped from me and I didn't have anyone else that that I knew so I was completely surrounded by like masculine energy for so long I had my boyfriend I had my brother and they're both wonderful men and humans but they didn't give me that feminine gentle tenderness that I needed as well and that I was lacking that so much and I was so upset all the time from it and I didn't know why and when I came here, which I hadn't experienced in Ireland or anywhere else, is that they had like a lot of women's circles. And I started getting involved in women's circles and I felt so safe because I could like just cry, you know, and like women would sit there and want to listen to me. And I was like, oh, my God, that's all I wanted was just someone to to hug me and to listen to me. And that's what like I got. And I was like, wow. And I would also hold the space for other women then as well, you know, and they could do the same. And it was beautiful. So that was a huge shift for me was to discover that and then to find that, oh, that's actually what I need. That And now I feel like I have some really, really good women and people in my life that we can support each other. Yes, that's so huge. I also love women's circles, communities of women. I think it's so, so important to have that support. And I think we're in a time right now where the divine feminine is really coming back together and rising. And it's really beautiful. It's a beautiful time for women to be forging connections 
instead of competitiveness. Because mm. I think the patriarchal structure of society for so long fostered a lot of competition between women. And it's so cool how now, and this has been going on for a good time, a good while now, but more and more and more women are coming together in community. And it's so cool. I absolutely love it. And of course I'm speaking about the Western world because I don't think that this disconnect happened as much in um, like indigenous cultures, but you know, in our Western modern society, there's this disconnection of women that happened for so long. Of course, yeah, you're so right. I mean, you're right. I don't, we don't know what it was like before, but we can only imagine it was very, very different. Yeah. And, and it's so difficult. I think I feel I'm quite blessed now at the age I am, but like the the young the people are women younger than me. It's really difficult being brought up in this world where you're constantly criticizing yourself. Mm. and comparing yourself to every woman you see like online and yeah um, also thinking like that's what that's what boys like you know and their desire but like, I mean that's a different story but you know boys also like they get confused and they think that's what they want but it's not sometimes what they want and like everyone's a little bit confused in this day and age so yeah <laughs> it's very difficult to find that grounding and those people that are very sure and solid in themselves and to have them around you yeah and that takes that takes time and it takes a lot of like inner work and kind of sometimes removing yourself from everything you see online to come back yeah that's why you know can be so wonderful <laughs> yes oh yes so yeah actually <laughs> tell me what um what brought you to the Camino and mm -hmm. and what did you take away from it Mm, I love that question. I'm actually, it's actually beautiful because I haven't talked about the Camino now, or no one's asked me anything about it. Um, because I, I, yeah, I haven't really told anyone. So, uh, it's actually nice to know, kind of bring myself back to that part of yeah. Life. So I did the Camino in April. We're now in to the end of June, um, and I did it for my 25th birthday because I was going out with my my ex at that time. And that was a transition period where I was moving. I was trying to move into my new place or trying to find a place for myself and didn't know if I want to stay in a relationship or not. And I was like, I just need to take myself away, away from the city, away from everybody here. So I can just think and not think at the same time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, I'm going to do it. So I just booked this Camino and um, arrived, didn't know anybody. And I was kind of didn't want to speak to anybody either. Like I really just, I, I arrived. So I started, I mean, we did the French route. So I started at St. John and we got a bus one day and it arrived at like two, I think it arrived like 3 p.m. or something. And no one starts the Camino at 3 p.m. You know, like everyone yeah. starts in the morning. It's not normal. <laughs> and this was the first part of the walk. And this was like the longest, the most intense part of the walk. For context, what she's describing, the first day of the Camino, you go up and over the Pyrenees Mountains. It's a very challenging day. A lot of people, I would say it's the most challenging day on the whole Camino. And most people start this at like 7 a.m. because it yeah. takes so long to do this day of hiking. So there's the context. Go on. <laughs> I arrive into this town at like three and I arrive on a bus with everyone because there's only one bus during right. the day. So yeah. we all arrive in the same one. And then I talked to some people there. And then after they're like, oh, so we're staying here. We're staying here. Where are you staying? And I was like, oh, I'm not staying anywhere. I'm going to just walk. And they're like laughing like you're crazy. You know, like, what are you thinking you're going to walk today? And I'm like, what? Like, I'm ready to go. You know, I'm like, I have my days planned. Okay, well, planned so-so, you know, but I was like, oh, today I knew I was going to walk. And I had so much adrenaline in me. And I didn't think too much into it. And I was like, it's gonna be fine, you know? And, and, and um, yeah, I was basically the only one that walked that day or from that time, I mean, because I met nobody else on that walk for the entire thing. <laughs> and I didn't realize how challenging it was. And I was up on top of a mountain and then there was just gray, gray skies. And I was like, oh my God, I have another about four hours to go. How am I gonna get here? So basically by the end of that walk, I arrived at half nine at night into the wow. next and it was, it started pouring rain. And the last part of that walk, you're walking through a forest and it was dark. Like it was, I was so scared and my battery was going and I was texting the people in the hostel and they were like, we're closing the reception. Where are you? 
<laughs> so I just made it at the end and I was like oh I'm never doing that again like that was so silly of me to to think you know I was so naive in that moment to just to go at that time and, and think it was all going to be okay which it was but it was just um it was a funny experience well it's such a cool it's such a cool story it was so interesting because my partner Tom mm-hmm. immediately when he heard you tell this story <laughs> His immediate reaction, which I love, was no one can ever take that away from you. What That was an incredible thing that you did. I mean, there are very few people who would who have ever hiked that completely alone and into the evening. And what an experience, you know? Yeah, and it actually was so beautiful in a way because there was no one there. So yeah. I was just completely alone with nature. Yeah. And um, yeah, I got to see so many landscapes and animals and just such quietness around me, like coming from a city where it was like hustle and bustle all the time. And just to kind of be away from, you know, what I thought was all my problems at that time, which like made them feel actually they were, well, they were smaller, actually. They weren't actually as big as I made them in my mind just because I was surrounded by them. I thought it was everything. But when you take yourself out of the situation, you realize, oh, there's actually, there's so much more in the world, you know, than just my head and this, in this idea and in this moment. And it also gave you space and clarity to then make decisions and be like, okay, this is right. And this is what I don't need. This is what I need. Um, So the Camino answered a lot of questions for me. It also grounded me a lot. It also opened me up to a lot of love and care that many people have you know sometimes you forget that there is actually very good people in the world because we're just so bombarded by news and by so many bad things happening which there is but we forget then that there actually is still a lot of beauty and that humans do want to do good you know and they they do want to help each other and that people do want to become better they just sometimes don't know how yeah it was so beautiful to see that like community and that like actually people are a lot happier when we have less Yes. You know, like everyone is so like, I don't want to have all this stuff. I don't, you know, like, why am I committed to any place? I could be anywhere I want to be. I can meet these new people every single day. And I, and also it made me understand, like, to not hold on to things so much, like the, the detachment. It taught me a lot about detachment. Yes. Um, because you would meet beautiful people and you would spend sometimes a few hours of the day with them or two days, and then you would never see them again. <laughs> right. Yes, yes, yes. And that was okay, you know, like it was okay to be like, I don't need to hold on to you. Like you were a beautiful person and it's not that I need to have you in my life forever, you know, or sometimes then you would would create a bond. You'd be like, oh, I'll see them again in the future. But some people you were just like, like you're, thank you, you know, thank you for your time. Thank you for your space. Thank you for everything. Yes. Um, Yeah. There was just so many blessings, I would say on that walk. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I feel I feel the same. Definitely a real yeah, a real lesson in detachment and like the temporary nature of everything. You know, everything's constantly in motion and including relationships and where we are. And it fe- I feel like it really puts that into perspective when you are actually on foot moving every single day from place to place. So you really get this perspective of like life is in motion. What Tom likes to say is that it was um, like a lifetime condensed into a much smaller period of time. So just like in life, you know, you have friendships that come in and they go out and you meet people and you lose people and you move locations and you change the way you see things all condensed into like a much smaller period of time. I absolutely love your perspective on the Camino. And I just think it's so cool that I met you there. <laughs> yeah, that was so cool. And I love the story as well of how we all met. So we were in Lagrona. I went to dinner by myself. And then I was, I'd actually already eaten. And then I just decided to stay on longer, just in this restaurant bar, because it was just quite nice. And I could kind of like people watch. And then you guys all walked in, like a group of 10 of you, and you're all very well dressed. So I really didn't think you were part of the Camino at all. I thought you were just tourists in that town. Yeah. I just kind of like, you know, I just noticed you all they're like, oh, they're nicely dressed because on the Camino, all you see is like sweaty people in like um, dirty clothes all the time. Yeah. And I was still in my Camino clothes. So I was just like all sweaty and messy. And I was like, oh, that's, that's nice. They're clean, you know? 
<laughs> and then um and then I was sitting there and then I can't remember who started talking to me first but one of you started talking to me and then we had more conversations and then you were guys were like will you come and join us for dinner and I was like okay and I moved my seat in and I I loved you guys you were so welcoming and um yeah we had just such a beautiful evening and then I went with you to, to different tapas bars and and we went for ice cream and churros after and oh I felt like I felt like you were my family and I had just met you you know like we all connected and bonded so well and we had so much laughter and, and fun and yes it was so beautiful yeah it was just such it just was one of those little moments in time where we were all meant to connect and it was interesting because that that group that evening those were the deepest connections those people that we walked in with we didn't walk the whole Camino with them um, but those were the deepest connections we made and everyone that night including you those are the people we've kept in touch with from the Camino which is just such a trip right it was like a magical special meeting like a moment in time that was just so lovely and I know you've stayed connected with some of them too right because mm-hmm. I met some of them in Barcelona, which was amazing as well to to meet people after the Camino in a different in a different environment, but to still connect so deeply. Yeah. In a sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It was actually it was actually interesting to meet you guys because, to be honest, for the past few days before that and the Camino, I really didn't connect with people because I wasn't open to. Mm-hmm. Because when I arrived at the Camino, I really was actually quite close because I knew I needed to be to just get some answers and to kind of come back to myself because I, I felt like I just really needed to be a little bit of a loner. Um, and then after those days, I felt more ready to open up. And it was in the moment then when I was like ready to open up that you came to me, you know, in a way. It's like so interesting that like when you're ready in yourself to open up, that that then the universe kind of coincides with that. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's so true. That's definitely been my experience uh, in life as well. So I know you have a podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about the podcast you started? Yes. So it's something I wanted to do for a long time because I actually still want to do more creative things like that in the sense of maybe like videos or YouTube or um, something where I have to speak more because I was terrible at speaking when I was younger. I've modeled for 10 years and I could walk in a catwalk in front of anyone sure, and, or do a photo shoot in front of a camera and I would feel quite confident. But as soon as I had to open my mouth and say something, I was so, uh, I felt so vulnerable. And like, I was really opening my world to someone and it really, really terrified me. And even in school, if, if a teacher asked me to read something, I would get so nervous that I'd start sweating, like palpitating and go super red. And then my voice would actually just give up on me. Like I couldn't actually, I remember one time my teacher asked me to read something and I had to pretend like I had a coughing fit. So she would be like, Jesus, like, you know, go out. Like, are you okay? Just so because I couldn't speak and I didn't want to tell her I can't speak. I'm so nervous that I just pretended that I was having a coughing fit. Wow. (laughs) That's so funny now thinking about it. Um, But it was the reality of the moment. And I just couldn't understand why my body would react like this. And I always had it as a kid. My mom couldn't relate to it so much either. She didn't know why I was like that. But she would always try to push me um, to come out of my shell. And it was so, so difficult for me. And it just like wasn't until I was ready myself, I suppose. So in the last year, I was so nervous to do it, but I was like, let's just create this podcast that you wanted to do it so that you can, because I love having, you know, like I love meeting you. I love like having interesting conversations with people talking about spirituality, maybe about like what, how someone lives their life, you know, what, what helps them to stay grounded, what helps them to open up what, you know, how they navigate their life. I'm very interested in particular in people in the, in the spiritual realm. Even in the creative realm, you know, people who are poets, writers, involved in plant medicines, involved in some spiritual practice, maybe like meditation, yoga, things like that. Things that are a little bit alternative in a way. Yeah. And that's what I'm interested in because I just, I'm just, I, I created the podcast more for my own curiosity to learn more about those topics myself. Mm. Um, and then in turn, you know, also spread that, spread that knowledge out and let those people have a voice as well. So that's really where I'm taking the podcast at the moment. The first uh, episode I had was on was with a, a friend of mine who's a poet and she has her own poetry book and she's a creative writer and she's incredible. She's one of my true closest friends here. 
another podcast I did was with a shaman um, and like a plant medicine facilitator. I did a mushroom ceremony with him in Barcelona. He does ayahuasca. He does many plant medicines like that. And he's a very interesting character as well, just the way he navigates his life. So that was yeah. very interesting. <laughs> that was very interesting. Yeah. Teach me all your knowledge. <laughs> yeah. And another one was an, um, an art gallery in Barcelona. So I, I was working in an art gallery with this other artist who he actually comes from a very corporate type of world. And then he just decided that he wanted to become an artist because he always felt like he loved creativity and just switched his career like that. And then mm. created, opened up his own art gallery in Barcelona and now sells paintings all the time. And he's a very interesting mind as well. So yeah, I have many, many more ideas and so it's progressing all the time. I also cool. want to interview you. So I'll, I'll, I'll switch the roles one time as well and we can do another podcast. Oh, that would be awesome. Cool. That would be fun. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, it's expanding like that. There's a lot, I think there's a lot of variety in my, in my podcast. Awesome. So, and again, that's called being a wallflower and I'm going to have that in the show notes. Thank you so much for this. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for being so open. And it's just in sharing your story. I just think it's a beautiful example of one of the ways that we can move through the world by sort of following our passion, following our inspiration. And you have such a knack for seeing the beauty in the world. And it just comes through when you speak, which it's beautiful. So thank you so much for sharing that. If people wanted to follow like your art, where should they follow you? So I have my Instagram, which is Alishka McAndrew. Okay. And I also have an Instagram called Alishka Creates. So on my Alishka McAndrew, my personal, I have changed it. It used to be more just modeling, whereas now I incorporate my art. I, inc- I put my podcast there. Um, I put modeling there as well. So I kind of incorporate everything there. And then my Alishka Creates, which is also linked to my my Alishka McAndrew account, um, is more just for my art. So I'm expanding on that at the moment. So Awesome. Always- yeah. <laughs> okay, perfect. So I will put, I'll put all that in the show notes. So if you're listening and you want to follow Alishka, then head down there. I'll have that for you to click on. Thank you so much for being here today. This has been amazing. Thank you so much, Brittany. I loved it. I love, love, love talking to you. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you to everyone who's listening and I will catch you next week.